0: being stuck in the
1: There, everyone, welcome to God TV Radio. I'm TTOR, and to my left is none other than Brett Keen. And down below, we got Daniel, also known as Darwin to Jesus. Say hello, everyone.
2: Hey, folks, what's going on? Make sure you check us out on the God TV Radio International radio station. Yeah.
1: I was a little worried about the Rumble stream for a second, because like for the first two minutes of the stream, it didn't show up as going live. And I'm like, no, I wanted to stream to Rumble. Why aren't you showing up? But then after refreshing the page 20 times in two minutes, it showed up. Miracle.
2: Yeah, everything's working. Dan, what you got for us, brother?
3: Oh, not too much. It's great to be here with you guys again. Hope uh, you're doing well. Why do I have to be on the bottom though? That's what I don't understand.
1: Well, if we get a fourth person, we'll have an even uh even square.
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, today is going to generally be an open mic open discussion day, but we're going to start things off with a particular subject. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about a particular atheist YouTuber, apologia who recently has been going on a little bit of a, I don't know what to call it, like a crusade on X, declaring his moral superiority to the God of the Bible and the Bible itself in terms of morality. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of his recent postings on X and we're going to compare it to something he said on X last year that makes everything he's doing lately seem kind of pointless and stupid. But the thing we'll start with is the thing he posted today, which is about the Ten Commandments. But first, I have to screen share this whole thing. So we're going to go ahead and put you here. And can we see his Ten Commandments post? Yep. All right. So we see here a picture of the Ten Commandments, which the first four have to do with your relationship with God, and the last six have to do with your relationship with other people. And so apologia in response to the picture, says, let's talk for a minute about how pitiful the Bible's Ten Commandments are as a basis for morality. And before we get any further into it, I just have to point out how weird it is that he has a problem with commandments like honor your father and mother, don't kill, a.k.a. murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal things, don't bear false witness against others, don't covet other people's stuff. Ooh. Ah, ah. so horrible. I mean, if you follow those six things, you might actually be a person people want to be around. Ah, oh, it's awful. But that aside, it, it's kind of weird because this is not the first time he's declared his moral superiority to the biblical worldview and its morality. We see here from a couple days ago, almost a week ago, Polygia made this post on X where he said, I have forgiven people who do not love me and who have not asked for forgiveness. In this way, I am better than Christian God. Now there's multiple problems with this. The main problem is that the worldview he holds to doesn't have any objective moral values or standards outside the human mind by which to judge things as right or wrong. So when he says he's forgiving people, what's he forgiving them of? They haven't done anything wrong, according to his worldview. They've just done what they do or did, and there's nothing to forgive.
3: Who's that guy responding to him right under that?
1: Ah, yeah, no. I mean, he's this strapping young lad that has a picture <laughs> of a Bible character as his avatar, and. <laughs> He's always posting stuff like that. I mean, I yeah, I couldn't tell you who he is. I couldn't tell you who he is, Daniel.
3: Seems like somebody uh might
1: I might want to follow. I know you should follow that guy. <laughs> oh wait a minute, you can't double follow. That's right.
2: Dang it! And by the way, the Jingle's a fine movie. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. But this is the same Polygia who last year said on October 14th, 2022, in an ex-post, reminder that if God doesn't exist, then neither does sin. Don't fall for guilt tactics. Of course, this is a completely logical post if atheism is true, because if there is no God, then that means there's no objective moral standard outside the human race by which to judge things as right or wrong. And that also means you can't do anything wrong against God, which which is what a sin is. So therefore, if God doesn't exist, then sin logically doesn't exist either. But part of that is that wrong in any objective sense doesn't exist. Right in any objective sense doesn't exist. And now, TTR,
2: yeah, can I ask you as well as Daniel something here real quick? Do you okay. guys find it odd that the atheists will admit on their Twitter feeds and on video that there is no sin, there's no right or wrongs, but if you then turn around and repeat exactly what they said back to them and say, well, you don't have any moral framework, but say, wait a minute, I'm a good person. I don't need the Bible. But wait a minute, you just said that you don't need no sin or right or wrong or any of these kind of things. But now you're saying that there's a right and a wrong and you're good. I mean, they, they can't seem to stay consistent. What do you think? Right.
1: They basically assume a moral uh, standard that allegedly exists outside of their minds in order to condemn the Bible. But then as soon as you're not talking about the Bible, that standard just disappears. Poof.
3: Well, it's really strange to me because they will admit, most of them, the ones that are moral anti-realists, meaning that they're moral subjectivists, which means that morality, basically, there's no point in even talking about it because it's all just opinion. These kinds of atheists will rail against the God of the Bible and talk about what a bad person he is. And then you say, well, uh, aren't you a moral subjectivist? So isn't all of this just your opinion? And they will kind of admit that, yeah, it is ultimately my opinion. But at the same time, they seem to think that morality is still somehow more than their opinion. And it's like, well, you don't have any objective standard. You don't believe in an objective standard, Right. And they'll say that's right. And it's like, okay, so then morality is just based on your preferences, right? And they don't seem to understand that, like, what it that ultimately morality just boils down to their preferences if what they're saying is true. And, um, you know, they, they have this idea that if they can believe in something, like, if they decide what is good and bad, then they're a moral person. You know, you hear it all the time. And to me, it just cracks me up. But they'll say, well, you need a God to tell you what's good and bad. And I, I decide for myself. And it's like, oh, really? So uh, what does that mean? Does that mean that, like, if you decide that raping is good, then it's good? So anything that you decide is good is, is good? Is that – and you, you call that moral because – you decided for yourself that something was good like that's what makes it good are you kidding me so they just uh, i would say 97 percent of atheists maybe more probably more have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to moral issues they don't understand what objective morality means they don't understand what subjective morality means Um, they don't understand uh, Hume's guillotine, which says you cannot derive an off from an is. They don't understand anything uh, when it comes to this stuff. So,
1: Yeah, I have my thoughts exactly. But what's even funnier about this tweet from last year that Polygia made is that he actually made a video response to my video about it and admitted that I was right in my analysis of his tweet. And I want to show you admit, him admitting that in my video from last year titled, Polygia responds to my video with flawed argumentation and strawman fallacies. But it is at the one hour, two minute, and 29 second mark of this video where we see Polygia admit that I'm right.
2: Unfortunately, brother, I can't hear the audio on there.
1: Hey, let me try that again. All I got to do is... While you're getting
2: that set up, just real quick in case some folks out there don't know this, especially non-believers, but if you were to look at Jesus's teachings, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two uh, greatest commands that Jesus spoke about, then you actually fulfill... All of the commandments from the Old Testament. In case some of the folks out there don't realize that.
1: All right, I shared this tab specifically, and it has the audio enabled, so
4: you should be able to hear it. I'd be curious how. Tell me, Justin, how does this tweet prove that I just want to sin? How does this tweet by Apology prove that he doesn't want to be held accountable for his sins? That's what I. That's what I want to know. That's what we're here for.
1: Well, it's really quite simple. Sin is simply a crime that you commit against God. You can either commit the crime against God directly, or you can commit
4: against him indirectly by committing a sin against another human being. Thank you, Justin. That is amazing. You are the first Christian on this whole thing to properly define, at least in my old orthodox view, what sin is. Sin is a gap between how we behave and how we think, and how God wants us to behave in things. You get it. That is what sin is. Perfect. Perfect. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Well done. But, as Palo points out, if God doesn't exist, then neither does... Because after
1: all, a sin is a crime you commit against God. But if there's no God to commit a
4: crime against, then obviously sin is fictitious. It doesn't... Yeah. So he completely, completely agrees with the first part of my tweet. It's a simple if-then statement. If there is no God, then sin can't exist because the definition of sin is a grievance against God. That's just a a simple if-then that could not be more true. It doesn't say that God doesn't exist. It said if God doesn't exist, then the concept of sin is not real. It's much like saying, this is probably a bad example, but comics are on my mind still, if there is no planet Krypton, then there is no Superman. I think that's a fair statement, right? And again, accepting the, the DC comics lore, I think it's fair to say that without the planet to come from, there can be no Superman. That's a, that's a fair, true statement to make the same as my tweet in lore, all good.
1: So as we could see in that clip, whoop. go ahead and stop that as much as I like watching myself talk, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) But yes, as you can see, Apologia says my analysis of the connection between sin and God, as I presented it earlier in this stream and in that video, perfectly accurate. But sin falls under the category of objective wrong if it exists. So for him to deny the existence of objective wrong or any kind of moral failure in any objective sense... But then to turn around and say, oh, but I'm more forgiving than the God of the Bible is. And, oh, the biblical Ten Commandments of the Old Testament are a pitiful basis for morality. I don't see how he can get off making any of those claims if he truly believes that God and sin and therefore objective wrong and right don't exist.
2: See, this is one of the reasons, Daniel, and TTR, why I find atheists to be intellectually dishonest and corrupt in every kind of way and immoral. Let me explain why. Whenever I was a non-believer and I was actually seeking the truth, if a Christian came along and corrected me on something and I knew that they were right and I was wrong, I didn't go try to find the weakest babes in Christ and then repeat the same question, seeing if I can cause them to fall so I could embarrass them publicly or do something like that. If I was corrected on something, I accepted what I was told. I I admit I'm wrong. And that question's never even brought up again. No, and no kind of twist or no kind of fashion. That's games over. But they keep doing it. How many times have you seen where you correct them and then they come back and just try to resell the package?
3: Well, it happens to me all the time. Uh, You know, I I have multiple conversations with the same person, you know, and, and it's not just one person, but I'll explain something to them and I'll explain it to them very thoroughly. And the very next day, I'm having the same conversation with them explaining the same thing. And it's like, I just walked you through this yesterday. You know, like, do you, why do you even want to talk about this? If you're just not going to listen and it's, I'm not even saying anything that's that difficult to understand, you know, like, you know, people don't understand uh, that if morality is subjective, then it's nothing more than arbitrary opinion. And, and, These guys will call themselves subjective moralists, and I tell them that that this is what it means, and they want to argue with me, and it's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You just don't understand what you're talking about because either morality is real or it's not real. So if it's not real, then it's just opinion. That's what opinions are. They're not, like, real things, you know? It's not a real thing that, uh, like you know, I like my coffee hot, you know, it's, or I like my coffee without sugar, right? It's true that I liked my coffee without sugar, but that doesn't mean that it's objectively good that coffee without sugar, you know, somehow like good or something because I like it that way. It's just my preference, you know? So that's all subjective morality boils down to is just preference. And that's all that morality is. If it's not real, it's just boils down to preference. So there's a lot of conversations like this that I have with atheists, and I am constantly repeating myself. But, you know, it doesn't really bother me that much because I used to be the same way when I was an atheist.
1: And I completely agree with you, Daniel. That has been my experience with atheists, evolutionists, religion skeptics on the Internet, is that I will debunk something that they say so thoroughly that there's no way they can logically hold their position And yet when I return the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, they're still repeating that same old, tired, completely debunked argument. No matter how wrong it is, no matter how skillfully I or others refuted it, they just keep holding to that position. And the funniest part about the whole experience is that atheists and evolutionists will then turn around and claim that it's us Christians and Bible believers and creationists who do that. Oh, well, they just continue to believe what they want to believe, no matter how much evidence is against it, no matter how skillfully we refute their arguments, they just continue to believe what they want to believe, which is the worldview they currently hold. Well, touche, that's what you guys do. There's you know, a word it's, for that. It's called projection.
3: You know what's funny is... I wanted to be an atheist, right? Like being a Christian is not convenient to my lifestyle. I didn't want to give up my smoking or my drinking or my pornography, you know? I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to keep living for myself. So it's funny that people think that, uh, you know, like that normal people want to be Christians because nobody really wants to be a Christian. Uh, we want to be our own masters. We want to decide what is good. You know, being a Christian is totally counterintuitive to normal human psychology. And that's why everybody hates Christianity. That's not a Christian because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know? Um, and he said, there's no way to go into heaven except through me, you know? So, uh, and, and he said like, you have to carry your cross daily. You've got to live for me. And nobody wants to do that, you know. I didn't want to right. do it. So. And that's
1: one of the yeah, and that's one of the things I find fascinating too, is that over time atheists, evolutionists, and religion skeptics will claim that the Bible and the biblical worldview is essentially just a mind control device that's used to control the minds of human beings, control the minds of the masses, the weak and the feeble-minded, etc. Well, if that's the case, then it has failed miserably as a mind control device. I mean If that's what it was, then how come the most of the world rejects it? How come it goes against human nature when it comes to morality? How come the things that human nature finds satisfying or desirable, the Bible condemns? Like it's almost a perfect opposite of human nature. And yet you'd think that something that's the opposite of human nature would be horrible to use as a mind control device, but apparently it's the best one that's ever been done according to atheists.
3: (laughs) Well, and not only that, but I mean, you look at the Catholic Church, and I'm not trying to get into it with a bunch of Catholics right now, but the Catholic Church was obviously pretty corrupt at certain points, and they had the opportunity to make the Bible available to everybody. And, you know, it's apparently this great mind-control device, and the Catholic Church definitely was interested in power So why didn't they mass produce the Bible? But they didn't mass produce the Bible. They kept it uh, hidden and they basically persecuted anybody that tried to make the Bible available to the masses. And uh, Mm -hmm. the persecution against people that were trying to do that was insanely aggressive. So if anything, it appears that the Bible is not about power, not about control. Uh, I think the Bible is actually about freedom freedom from our sin and freedom to serve God.
1: And there's a whole documentary Kirk Cameron did back in, I think, 2012. I forget what it's called. But basically, it's a documentary about the English people over in England that tried to produce the Bible in English and how the church and the state were trying to stop them from doing so. So basically, they fled to America, to the colonies, to basically live how they wanted to and create their own versions of the Bible that they could understand. And like Daniel said, the church and the state back then tried really hard to keep people from having a Bible written in a language they could understand. Because at the time, I think it was written in Latin, and that way only the priests and people who understood Latin could read the Bible and know what it was saying, whereas everyone else would have to just trust what the priests and the leaders were saying about the Bible. But once it was mass-produced in English, suddenly every common peasant can read and understand the Bible. And, yeah, for some reason they tried to stop that from happening. Huh.
2: Kind of reminds me of this uh, image that I looked at recently. There was um, a picture of what appeared to be a parrot sitting on a stool in front of a microphone, uh, basically representing an atheist comedian. And you can see in the image that he's got a list of things that he wants to dog Christians on, basically tell Christians they're bad all the way down the line. Well, while he starts to get into it, somebody heckles him in the audience and says, yeah, we're sinners. That's the reason why we need a Messiah. And then the parrot starts looking around, starts sweating, and realizes, well, goodness gracious, what else can I name off this list? This guy's already pretty much trampled me.
1: <laughs> yeah. That you have to so send that right. to
3: me. That sounds pretty funny.
1: So before we end the topic of apology and move on to other things, he actually has like a whole series of subtweets to that tweet about the 10 commandments well, where he tries to explain why each one is wrong. And I just felt it would be the honest thing for us to do to actually respond to those as well. So I'm putting it right back here on the screen and let's see what he has such a big problem about with the 10 commandments. Can
3: I say something real quick? Sure. So
1: I've actually done two,
3: like, 15 to 20 minute video responses to apology is moral argument or his rebuttal, quote unquote, to William Lane Craig's moral argument. And, um, if anybody wants to, you know, see that or whatever, it's on my YouTube channel. But if you want to like have a response to the kind of stuff that apology is saying on uh, morality, I would definitely recommend you go and watch those videos
2: well, be sure to let us know, let the audience know what your YouTube channel is, a way they can find you. Uh, it's Darwin to Jesus. There you go, folks. Probably at Darwin to Jesus. Check it out. Uh, he's got quite a few different videos up there. And as you can see, he's got a good voice and he points out the what needs to be done. Go ahead, TTR. What do we got? We got that tweet where the guy actually claims that he's God. And before we get into that, let me ask you something. Even if we, all the religious folks in the world, were to concede that there is no God, that we simply came together through magical rock formations that crashed into each other in space, creating snot that somehow became sentient. Let me ask you something. Even without a God, what's wrong with those commandments? Is it really pitiful, the idea that we shouldn't kill or lie or cheat? Or do these things? I mean, what is it inherently, Mister Paul, if you're listening out there? You ever get around to paying attention when you're not feeding your narcissism? What is it about those commandments, even if you didn't associate it with God, that is wrong or pitiful?
3: I think I know right. what he'd
2: say.
1: So you said earlier, Brett, that Paula Gia made a tweet some point in the recent past claiming to be God. What?
2: wasn't recent, it was probably about a month and a half ago. But he said okay. something about being more moral than God. And most to be fair to Paul, a majority of atheists, although one minute out of one side of their mouth they'll claim that there is no moral, that they're all nihilist, and you know, there's no real purpose or meaning to the universe, they'll then turn around and actually say they're better than God. And it really doesn't seem like they understand why it is that there's objective morality due to the existence of a God? Because I've seen questions, and I know Daniel probably has, where they say, well, even if there is a God, then what does why does that mean that there's objective morality? My simple response would be, if you've got a developer that has constructed a game or a simulation, you would expect that the rules themselves would be objective because he developed them within the game. Now, if you guys have a more uh, smexier way of expressing that, go for it i'm trying to keep it simple for our gamer atheist out there right well it's so. a
3: complicated issue because um, to me to my mind you need six things that need to be accounted for in order for objective morality to even be possible and i don't really think that atheism can account for any of those six things those six things i might forget one but it would be Objective values, so you need to have objective, something grounding actual goodness and badness. Um, You know, like what makes something good or what makes something bad is love good, you know, is hate bad. So you need objective values. The next thing you need is objective duties, uh, which are like obligations, like you ought not steal. uh, You ought to take care of your family. Somehow you have to account for where these type of obligations would be coming from, and they have to be authoritative, and they have to transcend all of human beings. So where's this obligator coming from? Where are these obligations coming from? Very much seems like it's coming from a person, because if obligations are just a brute fact, well, brute facts don't have any authority, and they can't really give obligations, right? Like, they're just, there's just this, Brute fact just floating in the ether somewhere. Like, give me a break. It's um, <clears throat> very silly. But I heard a, a serious atheist philosopher um, ma- trying to make this argument today. And I'm just like, okay, dude, like, that's really, you think my view is dumb? Anyway, uh, the next thing is an objective moral standard. Um, so you need something that can actually tell us if an action is right or wrong, you know, in the same way that we have a North reference. So, what's the reference for right and wrongness, right and wrong actions? Um, and then you also need free will, because if we don't have free will or if there, free will doesn't exist, well, then we can't be moral. Because how can we be moral if we don't have any choice about what we do? The whole idea of morality is that we do have a choice. We can choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. If we're like rocks rolling down a hill, well, it, we're not moral. We're just being you know, we're just uh, being acted upon by outside forces and there's no moral dimension to anything that we're doing. So you have to have free will in some capacity. And I think atheism has a really difficult time um, a- accounting for that. Also you need a purpose, um, like actual real objective purpose. Um, and I can't remember the justification for that one, but it's in my argument that I have on my Twitter. And then the last one I've said five. Oh yeah. The last one is human dignity. So what is it about human beings that separates us from other animals? Why is it wrong to kick a baby on the sidewalk? But it's fine if you kick a rock or an ant, you know, what gives us this somehow intrinsic value. It's very difficult to see why humans would actually have more value than trees or ants or rocks um under atheism but under christianity and other kinds of theism it actually uh makes perfect sense because we were made for something different we were made uh you know in the image of god right so six things and uh, i think it's just incredibly difficult for atheists to try to account for those without god
1: well said so apology is first post a uh, subtweet about the 10 commandments is this the first four are entirely about god's feelings of insecurity and jealousy a person can fulfill love your neighbor as yourself without any of these no human can actually harm god so these are amoral at best even if he exists what do you say in response to his complaint about the first four commandments fellas
2: well i to keep it simple Uh, We see in reality all the time, ladies and gentlemen, where there's parents that go through divorces, right? We see that there's uh, other people who are not associated or related to a child that a child ends up calling father. Would it be wrong for a biological father, a biological mother to say, please don't call that person your mother or father? Please do not look at them the same way that you look at me. Would that be wrong or amoral? Uh, for a parent to say that because they want their child to actually see the value in their parenting and who they are as a person. Do you get what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I I understand it. Um, I mean, the way I think about it's pretty similar. The way I think about it is that I don't want my wife to look at other men the way that she looks at me, you know, why? Because I love her. Right. And I know that other men don't care about her the same way that I do. So it's best for her if she doesn't look at other men the same way that she looks at me because I'm the one that actually cares about her. So God is giving these commandments uh, for the good of us. You know, it's good for us to love God because he's the true God. And it's not good for us to love other gods that don't actually care about us and want us to end up in hell. You know, Uh, so these commandments are for our good.
2: Well let's take a look at some of these other commandments that are right alongside it that he says associates with God's feelings. I shalt not worship any engraven image. Well, if you look on the net real quick, ladies and gentlemen, Google up the definition. This is pretty much it gets into idol worship. He doesn't want you to idolize. How many times have we have you heard that cliche remark? The worst thing I ever did was I met my hero. Right. (laughs) You when you idolize someone, you give yourself false expectations. You start saying, I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be like this person. Maybe God's got other goals for you and plans in your life. Then you got the don't say God's name in vain. Well, if you run around calling your mom names and your actual dad and all that, you're not honoring them. And you're basically you're dishonoring yourself in the process. Are you not? So I I don't see how any of this, even though it's associated with God, is uh, considered wrong or pitiful in any kind of way.
1: Right. And then he says in regards to the, uh, I think it's the fifth commandment, uh, many parents are not worthy of honor why isn't this commandment to treat honorable people with honor or a step further to just treat everyone with honor or a command to be an honorable parent
2: the bible does say that a hundred million times it tells you to love everyone treat everyone as you want to be treated and if you love everyone and you treat everybody the way you want to be treated then you're not going to rape them you're not going to murder them you're not going to enslave them you're not going to do all these horrible things that atheists like to associate with the only god they enjoy talking about which is the christian jewish deity
1: right and that's what i thought too when i saw this earlier today i thought you know apologia claims that he used to be not just a Christian, but the kind of orthodox Bible-believing Christian that I am. So for him to ask these kind of questions in relation to the fifth commandment makes me think that he's never read the Bible. Because if you've read the Bible in its entirety, then like Brett said, the Bible commands you in all these other places to do all of those things that he's talking about. So why would it need to be specifically mentioned in the fifth commandment?
2: And ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't just like do a drive-by or just a a quick little uh, remark about it. It's mentioned over hundreds of thousands of times. Uh, The problem is, uh, PTOR and Mr. Daniel, is that our atheist friends like to go to evilbible.com and they like to grab a couple verses. They all pretend because they can read or have the literacy to read a couple verses that somehow they're a Bible scholar and know what everything's going to say in it.
1: Yep, And then Polygeus says, don't kill, kill, steal, or lie. These are really the three morally relevant ones, but need heavy caveats to be universal. Act with empathy covers more. I like my life. I like my stuff. I need to be told the truth to navigate best. So do that for others.
2: I do want to answer this kind of Sunday school question that he did put forth, because in a way it's kind of valid. Because some young people are going, there are young people out there who are abused, who they are hurt by their own family members or people of authority. Are you supposed to still honor them? Well, the Bible says that if you make one of these little ones stumble, what happens, TTOR? What does God say to those who cause the little people to stumble?
1: jesus said it would be better for you if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were tossed into the sea
2: so obviously the parents and authority figures who dishonor their children they're going to pay dearly for that Mm -hmm. so there's your answer
1: yeah god that little what's that magic word um muslims call it all the say it all the time uh context.
2: <laughs> yeah. Daniel, you got anything you want to say on it? I always try to make sure everybody gets their opinion. In.
3: Um, let's see. No, I think I pretty much agree with uh, with what you're saying. Um, I mean, why... He, he's making the point, why should... Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, because he's saying, like, empathy is better, right? Um, I don't understand this idea that empathy is somehow good why why is empathy good given atheism you know like why not why not selfishness you know they just like it's like they're arbitrarily picking out some emotion quote unquote that they have and they're like well this is good but why empathy why not anger you know why not wrath you could have picked like why not lust why is empathy good who said right Right. are you you just telling me
1: and that's what I thought, too, uh, when I was thinking about it as well. I was like, why the heck should I be empathetic? Your worldviews doesn't give me any incentive to be empathetic. I mean, yeah, yeah. if and I want to be empathetic, yay. If I want to be the opposite of that and just dunk on people all day with negativity and, and curse and, words and whatnot, cool. And,
3: and empathy doesn't even mean that you're going to do the right thing, right? Like, empathy yeah. is just an emotion, right? So if I find out that, uh, you, um, just lost somebody in your family, let's say, so now I feel bad for you. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to do anything for you or do the right thing or anything like that. It just means that I am able to relate to you. It doesn't mean I'm going to do the right thing though. Um, you know, and somebody can have no empathy for someone else. And act, and still, based on principle, do the right thing for them uh, and towards them. So empathy does not just mean that you're going to be a good person. All it means is you are able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And to me, when you talk about empathy, all you're doing really is just virtue signaling, and it's incredibly empty and shallow. Uh, it's like, okay, so you can feel you 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 think that you know how other people feel when they feel bad and you think that that makes you like a good person somehow like last time i checked uh being a good person if such a thing exists which it doesn't give an atheism but if it exists it's not about feelings it's about doings it's about what you do um and obviously the bible says none of us are good but, you know, if any of us were, it would be about our actions. You know, it's not like, oh well, I meant to help my family, but you know, I, I ended up not. But I really wanted to. You know, I could tell that my wife was really struggling, right? Like what?
5: But <laughs> it's I did
2: silly. silly. You know, I've I've heard atheists try to describe, especially in the moral landscape, how they believe that morality developed through tribalism and what benefited the group and all that, that if you work with a team, then things somehow will be better in that kind of route. Well, what if you are the leader of a tribe and your tribe comes to you and says, all the old people, and mentally ill people, they're a drag. They're a drag on our our resources, on our economy, our currency, everything. So can we just take them out of the woods and end them? You know, just kill them and everything. That way we can benefit from having extra resources and be able to continue on. And everyone who's weak and who can't do a job, we kill them as well. What's the problem there in the atheist moral system? I ask you guys, what's your thoughts?
3: Well... I completely agree, and I would take it one step further because a lot of atheists do make this obvious philosophical mistake by talking about the way that something happened to come to be. So they're like, well, empathy is good because we evolved to have empathy, and so it's a useful survival trait. Uh, trait sorry, And it's like, okay, let's just grant that. So if something is good because it enabled us to survive, if that's what makes something good. Well, first of all, why is survival good? Like You're just assuming that, but let's just grant it. If we grant that survival is good, right? Let's grant it. Well, then we could have evolved any number of ways, right? We could have evolved like praying mantises where we mate with our uh, spouse and then we chop their head off and eat it, right? Like, And that would be good. As long as that enabled us to survive, then that's a good thing and why uh why wouldn't it be a good thing you know like all you're doing really is you're just saying well it happened to be this way therefore it's good and that's totally arbitrary it could have been any number of other ways you know where empathy would be bad and selfishness would be good and not only that but we are selfish why is it that empathy is thought to be what got us here why not our brutality because we've killed a lot of other, you know, based on their way of thinking, we have been responsible for a lot of other species going extinct, you know, like the woolly mammoths and all these other animals, because we've been just completely brutal and savage. So why isn't it our savagery that's good? Why is it our empathy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And even if you just study human history, we've been a completely savage to each other look at all the genocide look at all the rape the brutality I mean history is written with blood uh, that's all you see basically it's just uh, you know murder and death and horrible atrocity after horrible atrocity so why can't we say that uh, savagery is what enabled us to survive and to get here and why isn't that good why is it empathy you know like it's all just so silly to me
2: You know, Daniel, what you just said is very uh, biblical as well. There's a perfect example of that. Whenever Christ has been captured and the people, the humans that are around, they get to make a vote. Is it going to be the Messiah or is it going to be the murderer? What did they choose?
1: The
3: murderer. So give us Barabbas. Mm
2: -hmm. There you go. Very biblical everything you just said, Mr. Daniel. Very good. Go ahead there, uh, TTR, what you got for us? What kind of filth do you have for us, (laughs) sir?
1: Apologia says next, don't commit adultery as a blanket for have sex only with your opposite gender spouse has nothing to do with harm. Sexual morals are about consent and relationship morals are about honoring commitments which may or may not include monogamy. And just like that, Apologia has opened the door for polygamy and pedophilia. Golf clap to you, Polygia. Yeah, we've you been seeing that in it.
2: society, haven't we, TTOR. They've been trying to normalize yeah. pedophilia. And they say that it doesn't harm anybody to love someone of the other gender or have sex with them and all this. But what do we keep seeing on these videos? All these people with pink and green hair and polka dots all over them, earrings and tattoos yeah. all over their face. They don't look like they're very healthy folks. Um, just,
1: just ignore the psychosis and the disease, and you know the shortened lifespans, and yeah, it's all great.
2: Let me hit you with one last thing. Even if you weren't even to bring God or the Bible into the picture, it medically shows, if you look at the medical bills on this, you will see that people who do these kind of things, you know, bottom-top type of stuff, I don't want to go into pornography and in detail on this, it causes damage to your system, ladies and gentlemen. And that has been proven. So to sit there and say, well, there's no harm being done, there is. There is harm.
3: Yeah, they don't care. Uh, I mean, just look at the AIDS epidemic, you know, and and even if uh, I I don't. And
1: And a monkeypox outbreak from last summer.
3: Yeah. I mean, no matter how much disease is going around in that community, no matter how bad it is for them to live that lifestyle, these people will support it. And they're going to support it, not because they care about these Homosexuals, but because the homosexuals are rebelling against God and they're supporting it. That's what it boils down to. You know, I realize. Like yeah, I mean, that's what it boils down to. Like, seriously, if anybody here is listening to this and you are not a Christian, I ask you, how bad could homosexuality be for homosexuals? Like, how bad could it be for them to live that lifestyle where you would be like, okay, we need to encourage these people to stop living this lifestyle. This is not healthy for them. How bad? The answer is there's no amount of badness that it could be. You're always gonna support it and you're gonna support it because God says it's an abomination and we all know that it is. and that's what it is. It's rebellion and that's why there's six colors on the gay pride flag and not seven because six is the number of man and it's all about man's rebellion against God. And God is a number, uh, represents the number seven. And that's how many colors are actually in a rainbow is seven, not six. Hmm. So they changed the number to six. Go count it. Uh, they oh. took one of the colors off and it's totally symbolic and their movement. Is
0: and called... they've also corrupted what the uh, rainbow actually means. Yeah.
3: Yeah, of course. And And, and they call their movement pride, right? Um, which is a sin. Pride is a sin. What, why should we be proud? What do we have to be proud about? You know, everything that we have, honestly, whether you're uh, a Christian or an atheist, nothing you have is merited by what you've done, ultimately. Like, think about the things that you've done. Well, why were you able to do them? Because you happen to be intelligent, or you happen to have two arms and two legs. You didn't earn any of that stuff, whether you're an atheist or a theist. None of that stuff was uh, earned by you. So everything that we've done, or or everything that we have, it is not uh, something that we should be proud to have. It's something we should be grateful to have. Either way, either way. So pride is just
1: complete and
2: as far. Oh, as well, oh. Daniel, are you are you there with us? Yeah, I'm here.
3: Can you hear me? yeah yeah me,
1: your avatar disappeared and then you move further down on the screen
2: he must be tapping on the phone he's getting so into what he's saying which is awesome and stuff that he just his ears are going Ting, hitting the phone or something <laughs> I, I, let, I let me let daughter, me ask probably. you something let me ask you something daniel and ttor and dark wolf I'd, I'd be more than happy to hear from you but you were speaking about free will and morality and its association And we know that atheists like to claim that religion is about control. But isn't atheism, uh, the, the naturalism, more controlled than religion? Let me give you an example. With God, we can actually make an argument for free will. But if you're an atheist, then you have to naturally be determined. You're basically chemical stimuli that is responding and reacting to your environment. There is no... Uh, getting going where you want to on this it's whatever your monkey chemicals or your evolved juices tell you to do so in saying that you don't have morality you don't have free will because you have nothing to be accountable to you're nothing but a bucket of windex basically an animated hamburger do you see what i mean there is no free will therefore that equals that you are under complete control over the laws of the universe yeah, I think we.
1: I think Brett just made a cartoon with those words. <laughs> well, I
3: want to. I I do want to say, in case any serious thinkers happen to be watching this, that I am under the impression that there are different forms of naturalism, and it is possible, theoretically, that there might be a type of naturalism that could account for free will. I'm not going to say it's impossible. Personally, I I find that incredibly implausible. But when we talk about naturalism in the normal sense where it's like everything is physical and there's no soul, everything is just subject to the laws of physics and that's it, then yeah, I I completely agree with you, Brett. There's no such thing as free will. Um, Everything that we do where we think we're making a choice is ultimately a complete and total illusion. And morality is de facto also completely illusory. We're not making moral decisions. We're not making any decisions. All of our decisions are predetermined by mindless physical forces that are completely outside of our control.
2: There you go. So who's being controlled? Ladies and gentlemen, that was Daniel's chemicals reacting to my chemicals, forming an explosion.
3: You know, it it just, I do want to say it just goes to show how absolutely counterintuitive atheism is. This is why I left atheism, because it is so counterintuitive to our actual experience. Because who lives their life and thinks that they're not the ones at the wheel? Who feels like they're just a passenger and they're not actually responsible for anything that they do? You know, does anybody really, truly believe that none of us are making decisions, that we can't go to the store and decide if we grab the Snickers bar or the Milky Way? You know, like we are making decisions. We are actually able to decide if we're going to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We experience this. But atheism is so counterintuitive that it leads to the absurdity of having to deny what is obvious to our fundamental experience. And if you have a worldview that ends up denying or undermining your fundamental experience, well, then maybe you should deny that worldview. And that's what I did.
1: But yeah, it's funny that you bring up the counterintuitiveness of atheism, because there are atheist people in the past who have actually admitted that the worldview that they hold and that the apparatuses of investigation they create in academia to lead you to the conclusion of atheistic evolution, they admit that all those systems themselves are counterintuitive. They go against common sense, but you have to hold to those counterintuitive things because otherwise you'll allow God to get a foot in the door. And once he gets a foot in the door, it's over.
2: Yeah, science is always going to be good at being able to explain what something is and its purpose and its process, but it'll never be able to really do a good job of explaining why or why that thing even exists, if that makes sense, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Yeah, um, and not only that, but a lot of people don't understand that science is based on philosophical presuppositions that really don't make sense within the atheist worldview. For example... Every time we sit down to quote unquote, do science, we are making huge assumptions about the way that the world works. One of the most obvious is the assumption that our reasoning is sound, right? When we set up an experiment, we come up with a hypothesis and we say, if this happens, then it will mean that, right? Well, Mm -hmm. all of that requires us to be reasoning correctly. You can't set up a proper experiment if you're crazy right? Uh, and if you, you know what I mean? Like you can't uh-huh. do it. So if, if you have no sanity, you can't set up a valid experiment. Uh, so we need to be reasoning soundly in order to do science. But why would we think that we had sound reasoning given the atheist worldview? If atheism is true, then all of our reasoning is really just the result of a mindless chemical reaction. It's just atoms spinning around in our head right our brains were not made to reason correctly uh evolution you know if that's even true um right because like do you believe that it's true well is that belief just based on atoms spinning around your head but let's say evolution is true okay well evolution doesn't uh select for truth it selects for survival and truth and survival are not the same thing right Mm -hmm. you can believe false things and that might have some kind of evolutionary advantage. People have come up with scenarios where that could be the case. So evolution doesn't select for believing in truth. It selects for uh, just survival. passing on your genetics or for survival. You know, So that's just one of the philosophical presuppositions that undergirds all of science. And that philosophical presupposition doesn't make sense in atheism, but it does make perfect sense in theism where we're made by a God and we're made in order to interact with the world and to reason soundly and to know, um, God's will and to be, um, caretakers of his creation, right? We're supposed to be stewards hmm. of the world that, uh, he gave us. So if God made a world for us where we're supposed to govern, course we would need to have sound reasoning so it makes perfect sense that we would have sound reasoning given the uh, given theism but it makes no sense that we would have it given atheism and and that's just one of them there's like five or six that um at least five or six that are presuppositions and they don't make sense given atheism so when atheists talk about science they know nothing about philosophy of science which is what i'm talking about uh, they know nothing really about the what undergirds science. And, and it's just crazy to me how ignorant they are about stuff like this.
1: Right. And speaking of undergirding science, the other thing that atheism does that is on the level of what you were just talking about is that atheism denies the law of cause and effect, which is the fundamental truth of the scientific method and science itself. Basically the effect cannot be greater than its cause. The cause must be equal to or greater than the effect in order for the effect to come about. And in the biblical worldview, this is perfect because you have an all-powerful God who knows everything and he's present everywhere. He makes reality and everything in it. This entire reality and you and me being in it, it's all an effect with an adequate cause. But in atheism, you have an effect without a cause at all. And because there's no cause at all, that means the effect is way greater than the cause. Atheism literally has everything coming from nothing with no intelligent intervention whatsoever, which completely violates the law of cause and effect, which undermines all of science.
2: Well, what would you, I mean, if we see a lot of atheists who make this claim that Christians and people who believe in God, they don't make good scientists because they already have like this set idea of what they think is going on out there. But think about this for a minute. Would you rather get your information or try to work with someone who's open-minded enough to believe that there's more to be found in the universe or someone who says, well, I don't see it, so therefore it's not there. It doesn't exist. I mean, why would a person who believes that they're finite go out into a, a void where they can't breathe and they can't do anything to go looking for things that are simply not there? It seems like you need somebody with the ambition and desire who already believes that there's a goal to be met if they're going to do it in the first place, especially if it requires putting your life on the line.
1: Right. Okay, so without any further ado, we're almost done with his thread. The next one, the next to last one says this. Polygia writes, Do not covet is a thought crime only. Even worse, we know that most self and societal improvement is driven by wanting to better for ourselves, wanting better for ourselves, which very much includes coveting. These are terrible. Now, I want to say right off the bat that never in my entire life, Has coveting ever been defined as simply wanting better for yourself, either as an individual or as a society? We have always understood coveting, those of us who grew up in church and Sunday school and reading the Bible, we have always understood coveting as you wanting what belongs to someone else. It's nothing to do with wanting better for yourself. It's literally wanting to take from others. You know, like all the woke socialists running around in the world today. They want to take everyone's stuff and not do any work to better themselves.
2: And usually a lot of people get this idea, especially young folks. Uh, We've heard it time and time again. You think that the more money you have, the more material things you have, the more happy you're going to be. And that's the reason why a lot of people find themselves at 40, 50 years old where they're miserable and alone. Because they realize that money doesn't buy you love. Material things don't get you what you're looking for. And, well, I think we get the bottom line on that. You got anything to say about that, Daniel? well um yeah it's just a very
3: strange way of thinking about what god is saying when he says don't covet it's just completely uncharitable as far as i could tell um and uh like you shouldn't be jealous of other people for what they have um it's not a healthy way to be it just leads to resentment you know and and once again you're not being grateful for what you have. Anytime you're looking at somebody else and being upset at what they have, you're not being grateful for what you have. And when you're not grateful, it's bad for you. And it might be bad for that other person, you know. Um, That's kind of what happened to Abel, isn't it? (laughs) You know, Cain killed him because he was jealous, right?
1: Yeah, he literally Uh, coveted what he had, and so he killed him. That's not bettering bettering yourself, Polygia. Hello, right. Mcfly, you know, and I
3: just find it terribly uh interesting how an atheist who doesn't believe in God, quote unquote, is going through the Ten Commandments and saying how he's better than God, you know. I mean, it kind of reminds me of something that a snake said to a woman in the garden, you know, she said, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Well, Paul Gia sure seems to think that he knows even better than God what good and evil is, you know. and uh,
1: Even though he has to completely misrepresent what things like coveting actually mean in relation yeah. into, into the Bible in order to do it. Yeah.
0: there is um, There is also the thing that coveting something can also lead you to try to steal it. So it would break another commandment that way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is something that is very fundamental to human beings. We want to have it. Um, we want to have what other people have. And it's so unhealthy. You know, sometimes, well, maybe I'll just say I know somebody that, uh, you know, can easily fall into that. And I I try to talk to them, you know, and, uh, and get them to stop because, and, and luckily they listen to me, but yeah, it's, uh, luckily I don't, uh, covet hardly at all. Um, I have my own sins and my own struggles and that's not one of them, but it's just an incredibly unhealthy thing for us to do. And it's very, very easy to look at somebody else and want what they have. But it's, it's just not good. So I, I think it's wonderful that it's on the Ten Commandments. Uh, it speaks to the wisdom of God to me.
2: And it's not just coveting some things and all that. Covet could actually be from a person to a person. I'll give you an example of something. Daniel, earlier today, you tweeted out, uh, you said something to the effect that when you watch movies, you see that there's a certain representation that homosexuals get on in there and you ask the question basically from what i got from it correct me if i'm wrong but how come they don't ever represent them as villains or evil or are this trend of people as a certain way and one of the images i put up was a buffalo bill are you familiar with buffalo bill ttr ah uh,
1: no i'm not
2: i am
3: it's from silence
2: of the lambs pretty good movie ah uh, that be why so buffalo no, that- Buffalo Bill, uh, just a quick summary, he was a uh, a serial killer who basically wanted to be a woman. He was a guy who wanted to be a woman, and it wasn't enough for him to go get surgery and do all this transition stuff that these other folks do. He literally went out and he grabbed women and then peeled their skin off and wanted to use it as a coat, his skin, to become a woman. So they're in that kind of form, that's kind of a sadistic, sick way of coveting right there.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sick. I don't know if you saw my response to Daniel's tweet that you're referring to, but I actually thought of another movie right off the bat. The 2015 Liam Neeson uh, mystery thriller, Walk Among the Tombstones, where basically he's a private eye who's hired by drug dealers to go after these two sadistic killers that used to be part of the DEA. And one of the killers is hinted very strongly at not just being homosexual, but also being in a relationship with his criminal partner and of course you look at the two guys throughout the movie they're brutally torturing and murdering and killing people in like the most brutal grotesque ways possible so that movie even though it didn't set out to do it intentionally did portray homosexuals in a very negative light
2: a lot of people don't like to talk about this and i don't want to get too far away uh, from the topics that we originally are but um Daniel, as well as TTR, have you guys ever heard of autogenophilia before? I have not. No. No. It's uh, It's a strange mental illness that was diagnosed in the last century, and for some reason it hasn't found itself in the discussion or debate on transgenders, but what the mental illness instills is that men who get sexually off by the idea of themselves being a woman They will get sexually attracted, and a lot of them have been known to have a pattern of being interested in children. And will try to do whatever they can to put themselves in a position where they can basically take advantage of women and children. Example, like recently somebody assaulted a three-year-old baby inside of a a bathroom while pretending to be a woman.
1: Great.
2: Unbelievable.
3: It's probably just going to be happening all the more. But yeah, you know, that it? does
1: make sense, though, Brett, because that kind of fits some of the profiles of people we've been hearing about in the news that are part of the trans community.
2: Autogenophilia. You can look it up. It's about a hundred-year-old diagnosis and stuff that's been known for a long time, and people like this, usually the proper way to deal with them was medication therapy as well as asylums. But we don't do that anymore. Now we just let people run around on the street naked with feathers hanging out of their bottom. And we clap the whole time for it.
1: Bravo. Way you, to be true to yourself, sir, <laughs> ma'am, whatever you are.
3: Do you guys mind if I elaborate a little bit on that tweet I sent out?
1: Of
2: sure. course. That's what you're in here, Daniel. We love hearing you.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't say everything that I wanted to in the tweet because I wanted to hear what other people thought first. But um, since I'm in here, I did kind of want to share my my thoughts in general about it. So. Absolutely. So I don't, although there are some cases where homosexuals are represented as the villain, I think it's incredibly rare. I mean, if you actually look at how often it happens versus how often they're represented in a positive light, I think it's overwhelming. Like probably 98 to Mm -hmm. 99.5% of the time they're represented in a very, very positive light where they're funny. Uh or charming or charismatic or sympathetic, you know, um, with pretty much no flaws whatsoever. Um, You know, it's just like, Oh,
1: wonderful. Yes.
3: And what I'm trying to get people to see is why that's happening. And the reason why it's happening is because this stuff works when you, when you do this, when you constantly portray a certain group of people in a certain way, it changes public perception and and it's incredibly successful at it. And to give you an illustration of why this works, just think about why you might not like bees. Okay. Why do people not like bees? Well, because bees sting, right? If bees didn't sting you and didn't cause pain or have the potential to, then people wouldn't mind bees. They'd probably think they were irritating like flies maybe, but um, you know, it wouldn't be the same type of feeling that we have. Um, so bees, the reason we don't like bees is because of what they're associated with. And have you guys heard of Pavlov's dog? uh
2: uh-uh. I have but Go ahead.
3: So there was a scientist named Pavlov. I don't know his full name. Maybe I should look that up. But anyway, he did this experiment with his dogs where he would set their food out and have them come eat it. And every time they would come to eat their food, he would ring a bell, okay? And eventually, after doing this for, I don't know, a few weeks or a month or something, he would just ring the bell and wouldn't give them food, and they would start salivating. Now, why did they start salivating? Because the bell was ringing. Because the dogs were associating the bell with the food. Do you see the association? Mm -hmm. So that caused the dogs to salivate because he had built up that association. So when you constantly are associating homosexuals with being good people who are funny or sympathetic or, you know, have like no flaws, if you're constantly doing that, well, then how do normal Americans who are constantly seeing that start associating homosexuals? Well, they started associating homosexuals with being good people, right? And victims and et cetera, et cetera. And that's what changed the public perception was propaganda, because that's what we're ultimately talking about is propaganda. You know, it's the same reason why if you want to sell a Whopper, put a very beautiful woman in a bikini eating the Whopper. You know, you never see like an old grandma that's ugly with warts and hairs eating a burger why because they don't want their burger to be associated with like death right they want their burger to be associated with sex and vitality right um and and it makes the burger seem more appealing even though it's a burger either way right Right. um so they've basically changed the way that uh americans in the west think about homosexuals by doing this and it's incredibly successful and i also i also want to point out really quickly how are christians typically portrayed in the media are we portrayed as sympathetic are we portrayed as nope. the good guys you know like very often if there's a christian we're either going to be portrayed as uh, an idiot or a fool or the bad, or the bad guy. guy usually yeah, the bad villain guy. villain type. yeah you know and why because that's also part of the agenda And, you know, the agenda is anti-Christian, always has been. Um, So just I just wanted to say that um, while I have, you know, some some time or whatnot, just be aware that everything that you watch, whatever you watch is edited and scripted by people who have agendas. And the agenda is not uh, pro-Christian, it's anti-Christian.
2: You know, ttor and i we've talked about uh many of this kind of race swapping and all these different issues that we've seen in movies and all that just recently netflix got in serious trouble because there were some investigators and governors who had been involved in uh, basically doing a, a raid and they found tons of fentanyl you know that drug that's coming over mm-hmm. into our country well, they end up making a Netflix movie about it Daniel and what they did was they race swapped the lawyers. This is a true this is supposed to be based on a true story and they swapped everybody out with diversity. You got your Latinos obviously and the big time lawyer involved in it now became an old white man to a lush black woman. Now I don't have any problem with races and movies and all that. Uh, some of my favorite people: Wesley Snipes, Denzel Washington, all this. But I do not like it when they take a real story or a very epic, legendary, well-grafted hero or character, even in fiction, and replace them with some nonsense. But I under we understand fully what you're talking about, Daniel. They obviously are selling people like their products.
3: Yeah, I have some thoughts on that, too. But I'll be quick. I, you know, I think it should go without saying it should be pretty obvious at this point. Uh, It might be really obvious when I say it, but diversity just means less white. (laughs) And I'm not like a Nazi or anything. But That's literally what that actually means. You know, nobody says that Africa needs to be more diverse and we need to add some more white people there. Nobody says that the NBA needs to be more diverse and we need more white people. You know, diversity only goes one direction. It just means less white. It's inherently uh, racist is what it is. Um, You know, nobody nobody condemns the NBA for being vastly overrepresenting black people. Nobody, and and, and if anybody started bringing that up, they would, it would be totally politically incorrect, but it's fine to say that like the NHL, you know, hockey, that they need more diversity because diversity means less white. That's what it means, you know? So it's just ridiculous. Um, I, I don't like to talk about, uh, this kind of stuff normally, but it should be called out, um, because it is racist, um. You know, and and I think all human beings have intrinsic value, and we shouldn't be uh, all hung up on race in any direction whatsoever. Um, all human beings are created in the image of God.
2: You know yeah. what the problem with that is, though. What's the problem the pro- with that dark moon? It sounds like it was about right to me, but go ahead, let's hear it.
0: Well, no, it's not a problem with what he said. i I'm, I'm just clarifying here that the problem with what he said is that if a white person comes out and calls them out for this stuff, they're perceived as being racist.
1: Yep. Oh, it's yeah. part of the social programming.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. And, and,
0: and I think that if they could get away with it, they wouldn't have white
2: people in anything if they could just mm-hmm. get away with it.
1: Well, that's what they're basically moving towards right now.
2: Yeah, and, you know the thing is, is uh, I don't know if this makes sense. I don't mind if someone decides that they they want to make a movie about diversity. If it's good, I'll watch it. If it's if it's just because you're trying to push a political agenda or sell me a product or you're trying to sell me on a certain group of people that I ought to like or something like that. And it's not really about a storyline or it's not going to take me anywhere at the end of it. Cause folks, I get into movies and books for escapism or to learn things and all that, yeah. not to be like sermonized to, or are politically <laughs> right. told you bad orange man, yada, yada, yada kind of nonsense. That's exactly that waste my time. And they, and I and I still to this day can't stand Kathleen Kennedy for what she did to my Star Wars. I'll never forgive her for that. Maybe uh, <laughs> <Me help>. neither. I'm <laughs> with neither. you there,
1: Brett. I'm with you there. But you know, anyway, oh my While we were all having while we were all having this lovely conversation, I was dinking around on the admin side of Quarter, and we got a new user. Would you guys Yay. like to see who just joined Quarter?
0: I would. Bill Clinton?
1: No. Mushmouth Joe, this guy who has over 3,300 subs to his YouTube channel.
2: Well, good deal. Welcome to the his house there, Mushmouth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was in my comment section uh, yesterday, day before, asking about Quarter, and I told him that, yeah, he could probably back up all his videos within a few hours if he really got at it.
2: You know, I I I got to be honest with you. I don't understand why people are so hard on Joe Biden. To me, he reminds me of the movie Weekend at Bernie's. Have you ever heard of that movie yeah. before? Uh, for those out there who haven't, Weekend at Bernie's is about an old man who died in his chair and a bunch of people, younger people, come along and they basically stuff him and they uh, carry him around like he's still alive so they can make choices for him and decisions and get things done. That's how I see Joe Biden. He's a, he's a mumbling corpse that they carry around and then they basically pass laws and claim he did it. It's, it's beautiful.
3: Well, exactly. I think that there's some truth to that, but I also think Joe Biden is a very, very bad man.
1: Oh yeah, before his senility and his, you know,
3: but pretty much everybody
1: his cog- in- before his cognitive skills degraded, he was a very bad man. As Davis. oh yeah,
2: I've seen the clips. He's <laughs> horrific. He's terrible. Do you see that clip on Twitter where he's talking about how all crackheads need to be imprisoned and all that? And they got on the other side his son smoking crack, watching the screen. Oh uh-huh. my goodness. Oh no, yeah, his no. son just
1: his son just crashed a congressional hearing recently.
2: I heard, you hear now I could that? be wrong, but I was reading some of the tweets and we all know the internet is the gospel, right? But they said that uh somebody they started showing images of his wee wee and then suddenly that got him excited and he took off. Is that true? Cuz I I didn't see any kind of sources to back that up.
1: I didn't either. I just heard that he crashed the hearing over his contempt of court charges, which he initially didn't show up for. Then he showed up, and then after a little bit, he stormed out. You know what would have happened if Donald
2: J- Trump Jr. did that, right? They would have had a football team waiting for him outside. He would have got tackled and dragged a yeah. mile across the The 1984
1: field. Denver Broncos would have got him, just like they got Cartman's mom in South Park. <laughs> oh, no. Off the rails, off the rails. <laughs>
3: yeah, I was about to say something that's going to take us even further off the rails. I'll keep it to myself. But you've but... seen
1: that? Have you seen that episode of South Park, Daniel? The one where they're trying to figure out who Eric Cartman's dad is? And uh, one of the I think and I one have. The, yeah, and one of the options is the entire 1984 Denver Broncos team.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, because his mom was like a total yeah, Susie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's coming. Is back it Mr. To
1: me. Garrison? Is it the counselor? Is it the entire 1984 Denver Broncos <laughs> team?
2: So, besides Daniel as well as TTR, besides all this, to take it back a little bit, besides yeah. all these pompous tweets and and stupid videos that I've glanced at of Paul, um what is his story? Because every atheist has some kind of testimony mom was mean to me, uh, daddy had, you know, God written on his belt and with me. What, the, what is the story on this? What happened?
1: Well, the story that Paula Gia presents on his channel is that he's a former Christian who used to be a diehard Young Earth creationist until eventually he figured out through deep study that Young Earth creationism and the biblical worldview itself were both lies, and then that started him down the path of becoming an atheist. And then eventually he uh, broke up or divorced his Christian wife and left her for the atheist YouTuber Shannon Q. I don't know the exact timing of when they all met and when all that stuff happened, you know, when he ended the relationship with his first his wife and then hooked up with Shannon. But yeah, it kind I wonder of if he had
0: any, uh I wonder if he had any scientific uh, sources for... Uh, his deep research
1: well basically at some point he decided that the bible was no longer authoritative on origins and that what human beings say is and so he went with the majority opinion of the academic world on origins and then that led into him accepting what they say about basically everything else in the bible
2: let me let me ask you uh ttor as well as mr daniel a question especially since daniel's into morality stuff are you still with us daniel i want to make sure you're not yeah i'm here now let's uh let's pretend for a moment we put god on the outside of this whole conversation and just go with what atheists are claiming let's say that we started out as snot on a rock and we began to evolve through this process the question that i would have is Why didn't it that the parents didn't immediately kill their offspring upon giving birth to them? And what gave them, what was instilled with them to even make them interested in reproduction or having sex in the first place to create the offspring? It seems to me that if all that isn't already within the organism, it's not going to have any desire to produce. We put off pheromones and all this, these chemicals allegedly, in order to attract a mate to be able to do this. Where did that come from? It's not like nature's around making love. So, where is this coming from? What variables in the environment said, oh my goodness, look at that little buffalo over there. You get what I'm saying? But try right. not to be nasty here. <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: I don't know that you're asking a moral question right now, but, uh, do understand that you know you're you're asking about uh the implications of what would uh come from evolution if it were true and yeah it's um it's pretty silly i mean i i would just go all the way back to the beginning and look at the chances of a single cell arriving or you know somehow coming together purely by chance i mean you got the dna you got the um, the little thing that zips up and down the DNA and reads it and then tells the amino acids how to form correctly. And both of those are like irreducibly com- complex. You need both of those at the same time, you know, and you need the amino acids to just be there ready. Plus you need a cell membrane um, and all of this stuff just has to come together at the exact right time. Um, <laughs> and you know, somehow it's insane. Uh, and and when you actually study like cell membranes, they're incredibly complex because they have to, uh, they have to eject certain things out of the cell like waste. They've got to get rid of that. Otherwise the cells going to die, but they also have to allow certain things in, but only in the correct amounts. Um, so they have to be able to send things out and allow things in and also protect the stuff that's happening inside the cell. So you have to have a, a very complex and well-working cell membrane. And then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you need. So you need a bunch of things all to come together at the exact same time in the exact right place. And the chances of this happening are just, um, it's, it, it's a really, 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 really big, big number. Um, insane.
2: So, Daniel, the reason why I bring, and and it sounds very mechanical, I don't see how anybody thinks evolution is a friend to the atheist. It sounds goal-oriented. It sounds like it has purpose and certain mechanics to work a function in order to achieve a goal. To me, that sounds like a damn machine. It sounds like something that was designed and set up to go. Even if you were to accept the idea of evolution, it's not something that seems to help the atheist in any kind of way. The reason why I bring morality into this, Daniel, is when an animal is looking at another animal, what is the mechanism in its head that should have been instilled from the get-go or there would have been genocide. What stops the buffalo from killing the other buffalo? Why does it associate that this is something it can either make love with, or it can just run right over and trample? What's stopping it, that mechanism? See, there's a moral issue there. Well, I mean, the atheist is just going to
3: say that the animal wants to survive because if the animal didn't want to survive, then it would have just wandered off into a lake or something and drowned and it wouldn't have reproduced. So only the animals that want to survive, survive. And there is no moral dimension to it. It's just, do you have a will to survive or don't you? And that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, animals wanting to survive has nothing to do with morality. That doesn't say what's good. You know, why is survival good? Why is an extinction good? You know, it's all just arbitrary. You know, you're just picking what you like instead of, you know, anything that actually makes sense, you know. Um, yeah, but
2: that's the point, Daniel. What what you're saying is exactly, You're you're absolutely right. That is how the atheist usually responds. But that's talking about the horse. That's not talking about the carriage, if you don't mind me using a weird remark there. What I mean is, why does it even have the ambition to like something or want to go a certain route in the first place. I mean, with are you know why you want to go get that Twinkie or that bag of Doritos downstairs. You know why, yeah. but why do you have the ability to even think about the damn Doritos in the first place? You see what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, so you're
3: asking why do we have this ability to think about uh, wanting like to have a desire?
2: Yeah, it's obvious. The way you describe the whole cell and the organism and all that, it kind of, if you think about it, there's some kind of process that's going on there. We immediately have this spark where, if you don't mind me using you as an example, where T2R says, hmm, I would like to get a bag of Doritos. So why does he want to do this? He's hungry. He's got all these different reasons. But why does he have it? What is inside of his brain and his mind that would even give him the visual and this future that goal to go do in the first place? Does that make sense to you?
3: Yeah, like it's it is really it, it's an abstract thought, really. The idea of doing something that we're not actively doing, you know, like right now I'm sitting on my couch, but the idea of me being somewhere else and going and doing something, having a goal is uh kind of a an abstract um, thought and it's not really an instinct either so it is you know it's kind of like part of consciousness which is to me very much indicative of the idea that god must exist because it's very difficult to see why we would have consciousness why we would be able to think about other things you know like this aboutness you know, like I can think about my wife. What well, normally matter is just about itself, you know, like my pillow is my pillow, right? Uh, my pillow can't be about uh, my bed, you know, it can be on my bed, but can't be about my bed. But yet in my mind, I can think about all kinds of things. I can think about my yeah. pillow. So um, it's very difficult to rationalize or to figure out why we would have consciousness if fundamentally everything is material and not mind right but if Uh if everything comes from a mind which is what we're really talking about when we're when we're saying that we're theists is that fundamentally everything is mind god is a mind and he made everything right so at the bedrock of all reality is a mind Well, you would expect for there to be consciousness because that's what created everything and consciousness could create other consciousness it's not a problem so that's kind of long-winded sorry about that
2: no i appreciate hearing you and ttor and what you guys' views on that is i never am when when talking to non-believers i'm never able to progress to the second level of philosophical thinking they get stuck at the horse it's because the animal wanted to if the animal didn't have sex and it couldn't yeah, yeah yeah but why does it want to do it because it wants to it's it's like a circular reasoning it just goes back and forth folks i'll be right back i gotta have an experience be right back
1: Ooh, an out of body experience (laughs) oh he changed scenes he vanished maybe brett keen wasn't even really there at all Hmm. i knew it (laughs) he's a ghost We've been talking to a ghost all these years.
3: You know, you know. While uh, we're waiting, I did want to talk a little bit more about Paul Gia because yeah. I don't know uh, if he's going to watch this or not. Probably not, but maybe Probably because not. because he has responded to you. So, yeah. and we are talking about him. So, if he does watch this or his fans, I just want to say that I do appreciate Paul Gia in a few respects. Number one, I appreciate that he actually makes arguments. Um, He's not like the amazing atheist who is just constant uh, degeneracy and straw man. Now, Mm -hmm. Paul G is not above straw man, but he does Mm -hmm. try to actually make arguments that you can respond to. And they're not Mm -hmm. like just obviously terrible arguments. I think that they're not great, but at least I do believe he is making an effort. And as far as atheists go that are popular... He's definitely one of the better ones. I can respond to his video and I don't have to bleep everything and I can just respond to the points that he's making and he is making points. So I do appreciate that. It's not just rhetoric. It's not just sophistry. He's making points. He's making arguments. So I would say we need more of that coming from the atheist community. And, um, you know, I, I also just want to say that the fact that he he's not constantly swearing uh, he, I don't think I've ever heard him swear actually, but him, it's definitely rare if he does. I yeah. also really appreciate that as well because I don't like to respond to somebody that, or, or listen to somebody that is just swearing and incredibly foul mouthed or lewd, you know. Um, so he has some decency, which I think is uh, very nice. And yeah, it would be nice if more atheists. Uh, were like that as well. I appreciate that. So I just wanted to give him uh, some props for those things because it's nice to see that.
1: Yeah. I I think I said in my extra long video about Polygia that I did and showed a clip from earlier, the one that's like an hour and 43 minutes long. It's a response to his video response to me. Uh, I said in that video that Polygia is probably the best of the best in the atheist youtube community because like you said he actually tries to make arguments and he doesn't swear a whole bunch you know if at all i don't think i've ever heard him swear either and he also you know doesn't like smoke and drink and do drugs and all the other stuff like the drunken peasants for example like to do or the utah outcasts like to do uh Basically, he's still heavily influenced by the Christian culture he grew up in, and that makes him a lot more pleasant to talk to. Uh, But, but, like you said, even though he's got those things going for him, the fact that he holds the worldview he does leads him to make silly arguments that we can easily refute like we did in the stream. But as far as the other guys who like to swear and curse and you know, do all the other nasty stuff in their videos when they respond to people like us. Sometimes you just have to grit your teeth and make a video response to them, because if you do and you just expertly refute them on maybe one or two things that they said, you will stay in their head for life. And they will never be able. Yes, they will never forget you. Uh, One perfect example is... uh, Jeffrey Doherty, who is called the Christian whistleblower, he's like a religion skeptic who used to be a priest or whatever for like 20 years, and now he's like part of the whole Jesus never existed, Jews are bad crowd. And a couple years ago, he was on a live stream with Adam Green of No More News, making this whole case about how Jesus didn't exist. And basically, the New Testament is just a first century Twitter war between the Apostle Paul and the other disciples of Jesus. And so I made an hour and a half long video responding to a lot of the things that uh, Jeffrey put out in like a 10 minute span. And then he tried challenging me to a debate right after that. I said, no, never heard from him again until Easter last year. And then on Easter last year, he actually messaged me out of the blue, once again, challenging me to a debate. And I had to laugh the second time he did it because I literally had not given that guy a single thought for almost two years. But he couldn't get me out of his head and he reached out to me on Easter just to, you know, ad hom and throw meaningless debate challenges at me. And that's what you can do to someone like that when you refute them is you can get inside their head so deep but they will never ever forget you and they'll actively seek you out years later in a negative way.
3: Honestly, I would feel bad about subjecting my Christian audience to somebody that was swearing all the time, you know, because I know I don't want to listen to it and I wouldn't want to subject uh, a Christian audience to that kind of filth. That's, that's the issue. That's the really big issue that I have. Because I'll listen to it, but I don't like to listen to it. But I definitely don't want to subject others to it, you know. Like, and, like Sir Sick. Yeah, exactly. You know, I would like
1: to make a response to his video. You know,
3: he made a video about me.
1: He did one about me, too. Actually, he did two about me. Oh, he made one, I should see that. He made one video response to me regarding the video I did about Professor Stick. And so then I made a half hour long video response to his response where I pointed out that. He claimed that, and uh, poor design was proof of no designer at all. Hmm. And when hmm. I made that video about him, he responded by making a two and a half hour video about my video.
3: Wow! I really? never
1: watched. I never watched his two and a half hour video for obvious reasons, time. But yeah, <laughs> he spent two and a half hours on me after I made a response to his response to me.
2: Wow. Yeah, the that's the problem with YouTube, Daniel. Once you start getting up there and people start noticing your name, I've had people create entire series uh, based on me, whether it's about my nose or my gray hair or if I walk backwards like a dog. I mean, it's it's always something for sure. Remember that guy we had a while back? We, unfortunately, although we've had non-believers who've obviously been after us and all that, but we had a religious guy who actually got mad at us because we unpackaged his arguments. And he said he was wanting to whoop up our new TTR and myself. He comes in and, and I let him up on a screen and I said, sir, calm down. We'll have a calm discussion, and we'll talk about it, and go ahead and unpackage you again. And he's like, "I'm gonna, you know, whoop you and all that." And I said, "Well, sounds yeah, he, like you've got quite the imagination, sir, because that ain't gonna happen in St. Louis. I can assure you that." Yeah,
1: because he said he was gonna—he said he was gonna learn you, and you were like, "Oh, so you're talking about a Bible study?" And then he started talking about, you know, beating you up. <laughs> Yeah, and uh,
2: and what's sad, Daniel, is that me and TTR, we were perfectly respectful and nice, but it did get to the point where it was like, all right there, guy, you're going to have to go settle down. Take a cold shower there, guy.
1: Yeah, and then he challenged you to a music fight before he backed out, and then after the music fight, he challenged you to a boxing match, and then he backed out again. (laughs) Yeah,
3: see, that's what I mean when I say dumpster fire, and I don't want to have a dumpster fire <laughs> conversation, you know, cause that's all that is.
2: Well, you're absolutely right, Daniel, and uh, that's not something that me and TTR were ambitious about either. When I made my video to him, it was perfectly calm and relaxed. Just as I'm talking to you right now, I just didn't agree with some of his views, and for some reason, that lit a fire under him. And to be honest with you, what I unpackaged him on wasn't that big of a deal anyway, but for some reason, it crawled up under him. He did not like that. I think it was not more about being wrong, but what it made him look like in public and he just needed to show me and ttr what dum-dums we were and it just wasn't open.
1: because he at the time he was a visiting scholar for reasons to believe and he was basically very arrogant about it and used that status as something to beat us down with well you're just stupid and i'm right because i'm this and you're not of course then he started threatening physical violence against physically disabled christian youtubers And then he came out in defense of his pedophile friend, Smokey Saint, and actually...
0: Oh, you mean Dr. Kylo Ken. There you go. Kylo Ken, that guy. Yeah, I watched a few of his videos. They weren't very, very good.
1: No. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, he went down the dark, dark side after we basically just uh, got in his head.
2: And Daniel, yeah. I, I know that you really, really you desire not to get in any dumpster fires, but the problem is, Daniel, is that you're very articulate, you're extremely intelligent, and you call things whenever they're not right. I mean, right. you call it for what it is. So Daniel, as you unfortunately, YouTube is not like When you get bigger, things get better. It actually starts raining more garbage from the sky on you, the bigger you get. And uh, it's sad. No matter how good you are, Daniel, no matter how loving, there's always someone that's going to hate you.
1: Yep. And that is also a universal truth at this point on the Internet is no matter who you are, no matter how nice you are, no matter how pure and innocent and good your content is on the Internet. There is always someone out there who hates your guts. Because you, know, you exist. You know, I actually, I don't know if you guys
3: <laughs> noticed, but I actually gave an award to my best hater so far on Twitter. Did you guys see yeah, that? I saw that. Yeah. I did, I and that, that
2: was a lovely reward. I wish somebody would give me a trophy.
1: <laughs> well, there was a guy who followed me for years on YouTube and Bitchute who was just, you know, stalking me, basically, and leaving comments on, like, every video I put out. And, yeah, he's actually the person who inspired me to create the diagnosis of creationist derangement syndrome. See, I never funny.
2: understood this, Daniel, at all. TTR is one of the nicest, sweetest, most awesome people you could talk to. I don't understand for life me why atheists would strike out at him. For me, <laughs> I know that I know that I was a former atheist, and sometimes I like to play in the mud with the pigs. Sometimes I throw my pearls right out there, so I kind of say, "Okay, I got what was coming to me, right?" But TTR, mm-hmm. it don't make no sense to me. He's a he's a gentleman. Well.
3: Uh, you know that <laughs> atheists. Well, it's not all atheists, but some atheists will, you know, go after like grandmas who are mm-hmm. just online, like posting verses, you know, and they'll be like, "Sky daddy, sky daddy," you know. So they don't have any shame whatsoever. Some of them, you know, not yeah. all atheists will go that low. I don't want to say that they will, but some some will go that low, yep. you know. So I and I know that how the how the internet is. I have really, really thick skin. Um, I'm like almost a psychopath or a sociopath, whatever, whichever it is. Um, You know, you should have seen me before I got saved. Um, I didn't have any empathy. You know, all the atheists would have uh, thought I was just such a terrible person because I had no empathy whatsoever. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I I think God made me to be on the Internet because when when people – uh, insult me or whatever. It it doesn't bother me at all. It actually, I, I feel like the Hulk. It just makes me stronger. You know, <laughs> like
5: <laughs>
3: it's like when they Hulk shoot movie. him and he grows bigger. You know, that's yeah. how I feel. He's like the
2: incredible in. hawk. Oh, you don't want to see me angry. <laughs> but at yeah. Daniel and TTR, we're very creative people. And that is one of their favorite things to use, isn't it? Sky Daddy. So why yeah, don't yeah. we come up with a meme? You tell me if this <laughs> is going too far. When they say Sky Daddy, we say, oh, Monkey Daddy, Monkey Daddy, because they believe they come from the womb of a baboon. So we'll say Monkey, <laughs> monkey Daddy, Monkey Daddy. Well, what, you you on? What, Actually, about,
1: uh, what about bacteria, baby? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds like a disease.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they, they believe they ultimately come from some bacteria that formed on some rocks near hydrothermal vents in the ocean. Bacteria, baby. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I made a, I made a pretty funny meme a while back. I don't know if you saw it, Brett, uh, or, or TTR, but it basically was uh, saying that atheists are like Sky Daddy and they hate it. You know, is that, uh, oh, is it like, yes, no meme or whatever? Ah, I'm drawing a blank on his name. But anyway, it, it basically was a rock daddy, you know, um, because they believe that a rock made all of us. So we, we, we've got a rock daddy. And, uh, you but know, that we come I, from rocks, yeah. Yeah, that we come from a rock, you know, and uh, it's like, well, at least my daddy can fly, you know, your daddy's a stupid <laughs> rock. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oof, that's hateful i love oh, it yeah it was, it was pretty funny
3: actually because it was like it was like uh i'm trying to remember what it what it was i actually made a few that were in that vein they did pretty well too but <laughs>
1: but that's what's so funny though about that whole particular topic is that when we point out that their worldview teaches that they ultimately come from some bacteria that formed on some rocks near some hydrothermal vents under the ocean Three point eight to four point two billion years ago, they claim that we're lying and we're just making it up, but we're literally reading it off of Wikipedia pages.
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been meaning to ask you, TTR, because I I know you're still uh you're still fighting for the young Earth creationism, and there's a great deal of Christians out there doing this. But what are you gonna? Uh, what is going to be the process for you? You've had to have thought of this. They've already stated that the moon is forty billion years old now. So you have to imagine and then the universe just went quadruple because scientists know how to take pictures now so (laughs) you do realize that sooner or later they're going to quadruple the age of the earth it's going to go from 4.5 billion because they need more time for their slugs to turn into magical talking frogs at roller skate so what will what will what do you think young earth creationists are going to be able to do with this
1: Basically the same thing we're doing now because by only increasing the age of the Earth every time the age is revised, it just becomes more and more obvious what they're doing.
2: Right, right. Makes it wouldn't change it, it wouldn't change it wouldn't
1: change anything for us fundamentally as far as how we are now. right.
2: So even if they threw a trillion years on the planet right. and all that and said that it was growing feed itself, you'd we'd he'd still hit it from uh the You know, argument. You know a lot
1: of And a lot of young Earth creationists are really good with pattern recognition. I mean, there's a lot of people that are good with pattern recognition, but it's also true in the young Earth creationism movement. And when you observe over time the pattern that every single time the age of the Earth is revised, it is always made older and never younger, no matter what, you recognize that pattern and you know. Yeah, they're just doing that to make uh, time deeper so they can hide their theory in it.
3: You know what I was thinking about today? You guys might find this interesting, but I was thinking how if the Earth is really, really old, it's really kind of crazy to think that, you know, like, well, because it's so old, well, therefore, you know, it makes more sense that we're evolved, okay? Because Mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, that would also mean that there was a lot more time for epic catastrophes that wiped out a bunch of life, you know, that uh, wasn't, you know, like taking things way back down to a primordial level, right? So why can, you know, if you've got lots and lots of time, you know, you're talking about like solar flares and meteorites and all kinds of things could happen in that huge span of time. You know, what you really need is you need like 400 billion years or whatever, million years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, of like basically a pretty, uh, good environment where huge catastrophes like that aren't happening. Cause if the catastrophe, uh, takes out like all the higher level developed things, you're starting back kind of from like scratch or almost from scratch.
1: Oh, you mean like the flood of Noah? <laughs>
2: oh yeah <laughs> Daniel's absolutely correct though the yeah. more time they put on it yep. the more catastrophes and consequences that are inevitable to be a part of it yeah. and that becomes a problem i've always uh, this might make daniel laugh over here and i pointed this out to you ttor but their big thing is have you ever heard a super evolution before where they believe at certain times things quickened
1: punctuated equilibrium is what that's called
2: yes yes something to this effect so they're stating as you know especially on Twitter the big thing is is that dinosaurs turned into birds well exactly how did this happen if even if we didn't have a full- on extinction like we've been taught in school how did these things actually survive the extinction process and all the chemicals supposedly this affected the earth for over a thousand years? So how did these things manage to do that, especially if it takes the dinosaurs billions of years to turn into our feathered friends? Right. And
1: And that's why they keep trying to make the universe and Earth older than it is, because there's not enough time, according to their narrative, for that evolution to happen.
2: But even if you do say that, even if they were to throw on, you know, that the earth itself is eternal somehow, you still don't get past that event. And you don't get past the ice age that came along in the Cambrian period where diverse life exploded all over the place. Basically, the earth did a full reset. But then they're going to turn around and say, oh, the flood couldn't happen. But wait a minute. The Earth is a 75% water planet. We have four oceans worth of water beneath us, and you believe that it might be tough to throw a couple extra ice cubes in the tea to make it flood over? Eh. And
1: and they discovered a long time ago, like within the last 20, 30 years or so, uh, they discovered that there is water underneath the surface of the Earth, underneath the oceans, that is in some kind of hardened, crystallized form. That's keeping it from coming up to the surface. But if that water did come up to the surface and combined with all the ocean water, that water would flood the earth, just like it did in the flood of Noah. Only the tippy tops of mountains, they theorize would stick out of the water.
2: You know, what's embarrassing TTR. I don't know if you had a chance and I, and it was embarrassing to watch the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate. Uh, Bill, oh, I Nye, that, yeah. Bill Nye said repeatedly, oh, this is not possible. There's not this much water, yada, 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 all kinds of nonsense. But two weeks later, he's on Fox News. This is before he started hating them and thinking they're the devil. But he gets up there and he says, we need to take uh, climate change seriously because if the ice caps melt, the world will flood and we'll all be you know, drowning in water. But he told Ken Ham <laughs> on a public debate that that's impossible to happen. <laughs> that's really Man. funny
1: it's like I, th- I forgot he's, like about he's the trying to cat. have his cake and eat it too
2: that's yeah kind of really I pay attention to what atheists say you know I pay attention to what these non-believers say and what's, what's good about atheists is they don't take like years down the road to contradict themselves they usually do it almost immediately in the next five minutes so they make it simple for me I just archive the nonsense
1: that's true yeah, really if the bad. ice
3: caps melted, that would be a lot, a lot more water. Yeah, I, I've never thought about that. It's really interesting. I wonder how much more that would be.
2: And Bill yeah. Nye is what I call the Pee Wee Herman of atheism.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I used to. He
1: dresses, he dresses like it, or at least he used to.
3: I don't. I don't think he's actually even a real scientist. though. No, he's.
1: Uh, isn't he an engineer?
3: I don't know. I mean, I'm, I probably shouldn't talk about it if I don't know, but. Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure he's like an engineer, like the kind that deals with aerodynamics and all that, but he's not an actual scientist. That part is true.
3: Yeah. I remember I watched his debate with Ken Ham, and I wasn't saved at the time. I was still an atheist. And I was like, woohoo, Bill Nye did so good. You know, I, you know what's I funny, like though,
1: that... about Bill Nye in that debate? He actually printed an article for I forget which publication where he talked about his debate strategy and he literally admitted to using the gish gallop technique to beat ken ham in his debate you know that technique that atheists always accuse creationists of doing and that it's a logical fallacy and you know anyone who uses it is not really winning the debate they're just using a logical fallacy to make it seem like they're winning He admitted to actually using that technique against Ken Ham in the debate. Basically, he just threw so many objections at Ken Ham that Ken Ham couldn't possibly answer them all in the time he was allotted. And because he couldn't, that makes Bill Nye look like the winner. That reasoning is why they say it's a logical fallacy for creationists to use that technique, and yet they turn around and use the technique against creationists in debates, and then declare themselves the winner.
2: Well, TTOR, I've said this before, atheists prefer to be on the aggressive, where yeah. the Christian is put on trial for everything. That's the reason why, and some Christians even think I'm a little t- rough on this, but they don't understand. I, I know how the game is played, because yeah. I used to be a former atheist. The deal is, is when you are confronting an atheist, you say, I will answer your question. We'll do one question at a time, and then I will try to respond to what you're saying, and then I will ask you a question, and we'll have right. what is referred to as a conversation here. See, that's nicer than I am. Yeah, uh-huh? and- I, I
3: said that's nicer than I am usually. It depends who I'm talking to, but if I'm talking to somebody that I think just wants to control the conversation, I'm just going to be like, well, you can either answer my questions or I'll just move on because I'm not going to play their game at all.
1: But, you know, it's funny about that too, Brett, is that Dwayne Gish, the creationist that they named this logical fallacy after, he wrote books and did videos teaching creationists how to win debates against evolutionists. And in his teaching materials, one of which I actually have in my bedroom across the house, uh, he actually told creationists you need to keep evolutionists and atheists on one subject at a time because they will try to hop to other subjects when you start to pin them down on one thing so you got to keep the debate on one subject until that subject has reached its completion
2: yeah it's it's like dealing with attention deficit disorder you have to help them focus and and keep on track the idea for them is not to the goal is not to ever learn anything in the conversation it is to try to Uh, do what I refer to, and it's probably the same as what you mentioned. I call it the shotgun effect. Bam, 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 over and over until you can't say nothing.
1: So basically what happened is Dwayne Gish found a way to beat their technique, and so because they didn't like it, what they decided to do was project Dwayne Gish onto their Gish galloping technique and claim that he was the one doing it, when in reality he was advocating for the opposite, and they were the ones doing it in debates.
2: Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah, that's the fascinating story behind Dwayne Gish and the Gish Gallup story that they like to tell on Rational Wiki and stuff. Is that where and the he,
3: term comes from? Gish Gallop?
1: Yeah, they named it after Dwayne Gish because they claimed he would throw so many arguments at creationists in a debate that he they wouldn't have time to respond to all of them and it would make him look like the winner. And yet in his books where he taught creationists how to debate, he taught the opposite. He said, hey, Stick to one subject at a time and don't let the atheists go off topic. That sounds like the instructions you would give if the other side was the one doing the gish gallop as they call
2: it oh you can clearly see this kind of behavior with christopher hitchens versus frank turek i'm sure you guys all knew frank turek is yeah he debated hitchens a while back and every time frank was getting ready to make a point to respond to something hitchens would interrupt him and cut him off and it's one of the reasons why hitchens ended up getting that reputation for being a bully He would just cut somebody off when he didn't want to deal with their topic and then mumble about how mean God is or, you know, how Muslims, you know, cut off uh, genitals and all that. And that's how he played the game. He wasn't looking for truth. He just wanted to harm the reputation of religious people as much as he could.
1: And that's how a lot of atheists are. They like to rant and rave for five to 10 minutes. And then you barely get two words out and they're cutting you off to rant again for another five to 10 minutes. Even after they asked you a question.
2: That's why you have to take control right away and let people know. Basically, this is how it's going to be. This is the rules of the room. And atheists hate that. They get mad at me whenever I say, look, I'm the one host in this room. And we're going to do things uh, in a conversation like way. They do not like being told.
3: Yeah. No, they hate being controlled. They just want to control everything, um, yep. essentially. It's almost um,
1: like they're control freaks.
3: Hmm. Well, they're like children, you know. Yeah. And th- when you when you get saved, when you submit to God, it makes you understand that you're being rebellious, you know, like, like a teenager, you know. Um, it, it's kind of part of growing up, in my view. Like a lot of these atheists that are still old and should be grown up are still very immature because it takes maturity to submit yourself to God and to put yourself under authority because immature people don't want to do that. They want to do what they want to do. But when you get maturity, you're like, oh, maybe what I want isn't actually what's best. You know, maybe this guy over here, the one that made me. Maybe I should be doing what he's telling me to do, even if I don't want to do it. You know, that takes a lot of maturity. Though it's not what we want.
2: Daniel and uh, TTR, we're going on uh, two hours now, and I know that you've been tired, Daniel, and I know that TTR usually wraps things up around here. But I wanted to say to Daniel and Dark Moon, if you guys have any suggestions or advice on how to make the show better, or some topics that we can discuss in the future. Uh, As you know, TTR and myself are on Twitter. Anybody out there, if there's certain things you'd like to hear us talk about or discuss, give us some advice. Give us some suggestions. We'd appreciate it.
1: And you can also leave comments on my Rumble videos, my Quarter videos, my YouTube videos, wherever you're watching me. Also, you can make suggestions and topic suggestions through that as well.
3: Have you guys ever done a debate review?
1: No. I have not. Well, no, that's not true. I actually did do a debate review once with a friend of mine years ago.
3: I think that might be fun. Um, Also, you know, any tweets that you see that uh, and we kind of did that tonight. Any tweets that you see that you think are interesting about a certain topic, you know, uh, put those in your bookmarks and talk about those. I think is uh, I think that can be fun. Um, Probably can think of some other things, too, but um you know videos that might be relevant um
1: yeah i know i've seen calvinism come up a lot on christian twitter over the last several months <laughs> i don't uh, want to
3: talk about calvinism
1: that's <laughs> at some point i probably will tackle that either in a stream or an individual video. Oh, god bless you haven't haven't decided that one yet
2: <laughs> well, TPR, I was also talking to Daniel, and I said to him that if he uh, if he finds, like, a non-believer or somebody, whatever their viewpoint is, whether religious, spiritual, or non-believer, if he ever wants to do, like, a show where he talks to the person and does his live, I'm more than willing to open something up. I know that your, your time's a bit more strenuous with work, editing of yeah. the church, and doing a website, but, yeah, so... If he decides to do that, people are welcome to come in. But if he's actually in the middle of like a uh, intellectual discussion with someone, I would ask that anybody that does come in, because I put my public link out there, they have to be chill and let points be said and don't be like a like a Vince McMahon referee. I think you all know what I mean by that.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yep. So yeah, I don't want any dogpiling going on either way.
1: Right. So, before we get out of here, since Dark Moon has said relatively few things in this stream, uh, I'd like to give him the chance to talk about what's going on with him and anything of interest to him before we head out. I think we can spare him about 10 to 15 minutes.
0: No, I won't need that much. I do want to say it's uh, nice meeting Daniel. I've been watching some of his stuff on YouTube, and it's pretty good content.
3: Well, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. What, what have you watched?
0: Yeah, uh, mostly of your uh recent videos it's been a few days, so you have to give me a moment um but have any of you ever heard of uh a YouTube channel called Good Fat Ministries?
3: Oh yeah, I know about them i uh. <laughs> I know exactly what they they're all about I've went down those rabbit holes. It's not something I talk about hardly at all. I mostly talk about philosophy but I've went down those rabbit holes. I know all about that.
0: I kind of like what they're doing with exposing the uh, stuff going on in the celebrity world and music and whatnot. I've been watching a lot of their stuff too. Kind of like see you guys tackle uh, some of those subjects.
3: Yeah, honestly, that's some really good stuff right there. Um, So what they're basically talking about is occultism and, um, how we see occult themes in Hollywood and in mainstream media. They talk about occult uh, symbology um, and uh, things of that nature. It's very, very interesting, extremely interesting. I just don't talk about it on my account because I only want to fight so many battles on so many fronts. Right. And And the
1: Christian Truefer movement's been fighting that particular battle for many, many years now. Yeah, I uh, get that.
3: Yep, and also, I just, uh, if you start bringing stuff up like that, then you lose legitimacy to people be- who don't believe in it, you know. Um, right. But it is incredibly fascinating to me. I, I don't I don't think that there's a shadow of a doubt in my mind as far, as far as all that, that there's a lot of truth to it. You know, if you just, I mean, the Freemasons are like in every town, I've got them here. You know, and you can literally read yeah. books written by Freemasons where they say that it's about Lucifer, you know? Um, yeah.
1: so. I think there's a Masonic lodge right across from Autzen stadium in the city. I live in. Yeah. And
3: which is where
1: the Oregon ducks, my favorite football team play all their home games. So yeah, they're, they're like everywhere <laughs>
3: and nobody talks yeah. about them. They're very prevalent in Hollywood. You even see uh, their symbols in movies like quite a bit, you know, like yeah. if you watch the movie tombstone, uh one of the guys he's not the main character but he rides with the main character he's wearing a necklace that has the uh the square and compass you know um and they do that kind of thing all the time um you just don't most people don't know how to recognize it and they're not paying attention but once you see it you can't unsee it
1: yep absolutely
0: i used to uh I used to be really heavy into uh, looking up the conspiracy theories and all the symbolism and all that stuff so i I know a fair deal about some of the stuff but uh and a lot of the stuff that they say on that channel I kind of have been over before years ago, but they are exposing some other stuff going on not just in uh not just in the secular music and the and the acting and whatnot they're also doing it in the uh the uh christian music industry or they're exposing some of the stuff going on in their lives because a lot of them are welcoming like the lgbtq movement and all that into their churches and drag queens and everything and i just thought yeah. that was an interesting subject you guys might want to tackle at some point
3: yeah. are you familiar with spencer smith
0: Spencer Smith. Yeah, I watched one of his videos uh, earlier tonight called uh, The Third Adam, The Rise yeah. of the Divine Femin- Feminine.
3: Yeah, that's so cool. He's the reason why my wife and I ended up becoming Baptists <laughs> because of Spencer Smith.
0: Yeah, I subbed him uh, earlier tonight.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. I actually got to talk with him in a space, uh, what was it, about a month ago. And my wife and I are huge fans of his. He's great.
0: And yeah, he, talks he really goes into yours. detail huh? with the symbol. He goes into detail with all the symbolism and stuff too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's great.
2: Yeah. Well, that's about all I've got. Oh, I noticed, uh, on your channel, Daniel, you did a video to, uh, what appears to be Stephen Fry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, if it's the same Stephen Fry, the, uh, That like comedy type of atheist uh, that we see on Twitter all the time?
3: Um, He's been in a
2: lot of movies and stuff.
3: I don't know. I think he also does comedy. He's like 60 years
4: old.
2: I think if my memory serves me right, he just recently got in the news for doing like talking about Gaza and Israel and all that. Is this the same guy?
3: I'm not terribly familiar with that, but I haven't been paying a lot of attention to Israel Gaza situation because it's
2: a really toxic, uh, subject. But, uh, well, the reason I why I bring it up, if it is the same guy, it was trending for a little while, uh, whenever all this stuff started out and I was watching a video with this older man and he's, going on about how we should be obligated to do this and obligated to do that. And I seen on the Twitter thing that he was an atheist. And I'm like, why would an atheist think that I'm morally obligated to I, I even give a damn about either side for? I, I just kept on thinking to myself, why does? where does he come off saying that we're morally obligated to be interested? I do care. And I think that something should be done. The point is, is why am I being told by a nihilistic atheist that... It's my moral uh, provocation to do something about it. Yeah, well, um,
3: it's almost definitely the guy that I made the video about. And if you watch the video, he's making a case for morals and saying that we don't need God in in order to be good. And I basically just completely destroyed him. I mean, e- even other atheists that have uh, somewhat of a grasp on the subject of morality agree with everything that I said and said that it was totally fair and that he doesn't know what he's talking about. So I would say just go watch that and see what his argument is and see why it doesn't work at all.
2: All right. I'll definitely check it out. It does sound like the same guy. Yeah, his his proclamation on Twitter was, I'm Jewish, I have Jewish heritage, and, you know, what's happening here? We need to do something, we need to, you know, making all these moral obligation demands, and I'm like, but you don't even, uh, Why should I, why should it even matter? I mean, we all believe religiously and spiritually that we're all cosmic brothers and sisters designed by God, so... You know, unless you got an objective God who's actually stating the moral obligation, why should we care what a subjective man thinks? Especially a 60-year-old washed up comedian.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, it sounds like that's definitely the same guy.
1: Yeah, and when people get washed up who used to be celebs, they like to uh, put in their two cents on current events, usually taking up the glo- globalist side. To try and get some popularity
2: back. So TTOR, I noticed that you got tickled by one of the memes that I put up, not the circular reasoning thing, but the fact that atheists, one of their big go-to's, and Daniel, you've probably heard this a hundred times. Well, you believe in this garbage from thousands of years ago, but these same people are telling us that they believe in the garbage of billions of years ago. So for putting a time frame on how things remain relevant. Uh, the atheists has destroyed themselves by at least 4.5 billion years, according to that argument.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, guys who lived 2,000 years ago talking about what happened 2,000 years ago. Oh, that, you, you can't believe a word they say. But people living today talking about what happened billions of years ago? Yeah, those are the trustworthy ones. Listen to everything they say, and don't you dare dissent.
3: It's such a terrible argument. It's like something is either true or it's not. Why does it matter? What it just sounds
1: so stupid because it is, and yet that's the reality.
3: It's just crazy to me. It's basically a current year argument, and everybody knows that current year arguments are no longer current. You know, it's so last year, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, we should start saying that to the atheists and evolutionists every time they make an argument. Oh that's so 2023. Yeah, that's so last year. Are
3: are you really yeah. still making the current year argument? That's that's so last year.
1: Are you still making that <laughs> argument? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how they'd react if we just end mass started. They probably wouldn't like even that. get the
3: joke honestly some of them uh, anyway.
1: Right here. Yeah, woke lefties tend not to grasp humor very well. So I
2: still can't believe, TTOR that after all these years, there are still non-believers where they get absolutely shocked whenever I show them things in science like that their ancestors were rats and worms and slugs. They're like, I ain't no damn a rat. I, I come from a monkey. They think that the monkey just appeared and that's where they came from. They don't realize there's a whole bunch of really neat cheetah pets that they are, came from before that thing. It shocked <laughs> them.
1: Right, right. But I even was... Charles Darwin taught that all organic life came from a single universal common ancestor. So they shouldn't yep. be surprised that everything's related to each other according to their worldview. And yet they often are. It's like they're ignorant about what their own worldview teaches sometimes.
3: Have you seen that meme that I made? Uh, this is how atheists decide what argument they make. And it's a wheel with like six different oh, yeah. posts. Oh,
1: yeah.
3: And uh, one of them says, me monkey fish man. Ooh, ah.
2: Uh. <laughs> wheel the <to> fortune. <laughs> oh, God. I
1: can see where that's going already. <laughs> Cracked me up.
3: Making that thing. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, it has been a fantastic show, and it's been a pleasure having Brett and Daniel and Dark Moon on the show today to talk about apologia, atheism, Ten Commandments, and morality in general. It's been a very deep show, for sure. So, if you made it this far as a live viewer, either on Twitter or Brett's YouTube channel, or if you're one of the six people currently watching on my Rumble feed I would encourage you to subscribe to my channel, check out my other videos, leave your likes and comments below. If you're watching this on Brett's Twitter or you're watching this on Brett's Rumble or his YouTube channel, do the same for him. Also, go check out Darwin to Jesus on YouTube. Check out Daniel's content, Darwin to Jesus. Pretty easy name. And he'll come right up. And of course, the Quarter King himself, Darkmoon75. Be sure to check out his quarter channel, which is pretty easy to find. If you actually go to quarter.tv, he usually appears in the recommended videos or he appears in the new videos, or you can just channel search his name and it'll actually come up. Shocker. I know, but now that you know, we're all to find us, I bid you guys adieu, farewell. See you next time. And next week will be a new episode of, The TTOR Show. Have a good one, everybody.